Well, thank you for being with us today. Um, if you are new with us, please uh, start reading with us. We are on a two-year journey to read through scriptures as a church. And for most of the Sundays, we will follow that scripture reading pattern. The Sunday school will also follow that uh, most of the time, as I've said, and except for the first Sundays in the worship service. And beginning with the new year, if... Uh, you thought you were a member of this church or you would like to be a member of this church, uh, we uh, are going to open up some classes for a while about membership into this church and the classes that are bylaws that you should have had as being a member of this church. So uh, we will try to remedy that situation and uh, we will make some announcements for it. Also, if you are in prayer for us, please pray for our convention and the corruption and all the things that can go along with the politics of denominations and offices that the Lord will free us as much as is possible from that regard. Okay. So uh, let's, uh, let's all stand. We, uh, we want to value reading God's Word out loud. So uh, today's passage that we read is a precursor to the passage that we're going to look at, but we're going to read it just to have a little bit of a background. So if you could please read out loud with us. Uh, this comes out of 2 Kings uh, chapter 6. Afterward, Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, mastered his entire army and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria, and they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and the fourth part of a cab of dung for five shekels of silver. Now, as the king of Israel was passing on by the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help, my lord, O king. And he said, If the lord will not help you. How shall I help you? From the threshing floor or from the wine press? And, he, and the king asked her, What is your trouble? She answered, This woman said to me, Give your son that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we boiled my son and ate him. And on the next day I said to her, Give your son that we may eat him. But she has hidden her son. When the king heard that the words of the woman, he tore his clothes. Now he was passing by on the wall, and the people looked, and behold, he had sackcloth beneath his body. And he said, May God do so to me, and more also, if the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, remains on his shoulders today. Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. Now the king had dispatched a man from his presence. But before the messenger arrived, Elisha said to the elders, Do you see how this murderer has sent to take my, off my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold the door fast against him. Is not the sound of his master's feet behind him? And while he was still speaking with them, the messengers came down to him and said, This trouble is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Amen. You may be seated. It is uh, imperative that we get to understand the situation that we have at hand in this story. 
And in order to understand, we have to realize we are speaking of which place. Is it the north part, Israel, or the southern part, Judah? It is the north. Okay. And how many good kings have the north had so far? Zero. And they will continue that. Uh, they're very consistent uh, doing that. Except some are pretty bad and some are really bad. But we need to realize that when you and I sin, it's bad enough. But when you and I begin a trail of sin that influences other people, it is awful if you have a trail that becomes a curse. What happens is for people who live in unrepentant sin and are placed in certain positions, they will affect the entire community. And we see this trail of sin beginning with the two kings when they first split. What were their names? Rehoboam on the, you know, Judah, right? And Jeroboam. Now, when you read the kings and he says, and he walked into the sins of Jeroboam, what does that mean? Isn't that like a trail of a sin? Yes, it is. But what does that really mean? I wonder how many of you, because if you read through the Kings, through the Chronicles, he will say that over and over again. And I never meant to ask people, because they read over it, what does that really mean? And without understanding that sinful condition of why this story takes place, we can be misled in how we understand. So what is the sin of Jeroboam? I'll give you a hint. When's the last time you saw a president or a senator or of a government serving a church of 30 people? Do you know where I find the politicians who are Christians? 20,000 member churches, 30,000, 11,000, 15,000. Did you ever wonder how come I never find one politician that washes dishes in a 25-member church or 30-member church? That never crossed your mind? Sure, because maybe we don't know the trail of Jeroboam. So what happened is when the two pieces split, Jerome began to see that, hey, my country is being emptied because they go to worship at the temple. And he said, I'm afraid that they're going to see their Rehoboam worship and their hearts will be stolen and the kingdom will be taken away from me. Do you know who bring trails of sin and curses? People who now begin to use the religious system for their own agenda. So what did he do? 
He built a couple of cats. He studied resurrected high places and says, you don't go there. I'm afraid of losing my people. So he brought idolatry within Israel. Now, he brought a couple of calves, but he could call. What happened when the prophet of God came? They had a high altar, and he could call the name of the Lord, though. And we're not going to go through that story that we went last time, but there's a reason why the prophet was sent down, and then the other prophet lied to him. And then they were ended up being buried together with their bones, right? So Pastor Todd on Wednesday taught on that, that passage. But basically, Jeroboam has a copycat system of a worship or a church. Can you copy a church? Do you know what happens? People look, and I'm not going to say by names, but there's a couple of bigger churches in Anchorage. And they say, oh, I wish we were like that. I'm going to tell you, it's best that you don't know the sins that are there. Where people go, there are problems. Whether he has 30 people has a thousand people it can get all the way to the top but what happens if it's convenient for some you will be attracted and convenient for others because jobs are being taken salaries are being paid they pay attention to humans. So when you begin to go that road, there's a lot that happens. Something that should be striking to you here in this story, the king has the integrity to have sackcloth. What does sackcloth mean? He is in utter repentance before the Lord, and he's not making a sign of it. But at the same time, he's sent to kill who? The mouth of God. How do you reconcile that? How do you reconcile the person who is a worshiper? He is humbling himself. He is fasting. He's crying. He's concerned. And he says, go kill the mouth of God. We need to know this. So we understand why people are eating their babies. So we understand why for the head of a donkey which was unclean, they're spending their whole life savings. So as we're going to look at this passage, I want to focus us on the... People who are present, and let's focus on them alone. We'll start with Elisha, the mouth of God. Then we will look at the king. The king is present. Then there's a captain. 
and then there's all of Israel. Obviously, there's the Syrians and Ben-Hadad who are there. And another group of people will be brought into the story that we will read. Let's go to the next slide. But Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord, thus says the Lord. Tomorrow about this time a shell of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel and two shares of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now, you are the king and you see that people are dying on score because they're starving and you know the prices of what happened and you know that people are doing cannibalism and you are under sackcloth and here comes the mouth of God and he says, Oh, there will be flour, and it's going to be dirt cheap tomorrow. And you have a half a million, let's say, army out there, mustering around you, and you don't see an end in sight. Now, the reason why we look at the captain, he's Israelite because he matters too, but he's pointed out by the story. Then the captain on whose hand the king leaned sent to the man of God, if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? But he said, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Okay, let's, let's begin to look at the story. Let's begin to look at the story. Elisha is the mouth of God. Who is the king? The king in this story, the king of Israel, who is he? He is the leader. He is supposed to be the deliverer that's his job to deliver the people from harm they pay taxes they send their kids to have his army they do all of those because that's his job but before we start looking at the people let's look at the situation what is the situation Where before there was a slight tap that you couldn't hear that death is knocking on your life. This is death. Non-stop. Every heartbeat, death is coming. Either you're starving to death, you can be killed to death. This is it. There's no way out. Death is closing in. Well, they were seeing in the city people that were killing their own kids. Death was happening because they could no longer be worshippers because they're eating unclean stuff, let alone their own kids. The king has sackcloth behind his kingly robes. Now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate. 
And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? So we have to add four lepers to the story. Please note, the prophet, he just said some words. He's not the savior. The king is the king. Israel is the chosen people. The Syrians are the oppressors. The best explanation for the Bible is the, let me read to you a passage to see the trail of the king of Jeroboam. Out of Romans 1, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. Because, although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise, they became fools." And change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and birds and four-footed animal and creeping things. Let me ask you, did Jeroboam do this with Israel when he was afraid that the worshipers were going to go to Rehoboam? Yes. He built two calves. Do you see how now the mind of someone who is supposedly worshiping Yahweh, his mind is saying, go kill God's voice. Who's trying to suppress the truth? This is basically saying, it's coming from the world or from the church? From those who they says they knew God. So that's why we see this friction. That's why we have the ones outside of the gate. Now... If you think you were blessed to be a leper, do you know what lepers did? They couldn't stay there, and, and they basically sat outside of the, the walls, and people, there was a side of the wall where people threw the trash. And that was their haven, because they, the lepers that dug through the trash, and that was their lunch. They were not part 
really part of the community or they were detached from the community. As we will see by Jesus' times, there are three to four, but let's say three major groups within Israel that are the most hated people. Do you know who they were? The lepers, one of them. Who was, who was another group that was really hated? Samaritans. Who was another group that was really, and I'll give you a hint. Tax collectors, yes. Tax collectors were hated. Tax collectors were hated. And then the last one. Think of who's brought before Jesus in sin? Prostitutes. You did not want to be a Samaritan? Samaritan? You didn't want to be a Samaritan? You did not want to be a prostitute? You don't want to be a tax collector? You do not want to be a leper? I wonder if Jesus has any dealings with such filth of society. Because that's the filth of society that was completely despised. But please understand here, God is not using the mouth of the prophet. God is not using the anointed king. God is not using his own people. But you have the rejects and the filth of society that were eating trash and there's no more trash. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? Where does wisdom begin to creep in? In the low places. If for the people in the city it was like this, for the four labors there was a gonging, bells were in their ears. Well, we don't know that we'll make tomorrow, so why don't we just... Let's go out in glory. If I go out, I'll go out in glory. Is that what they're doing? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the... What are they saying? <coughs> they have the same... They're no different than us. They have the same problem. And we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now, come, let us go over the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. What does Romans tell us? It is not my job to argue with you that God exists. God, you know that God is there. Whether you're agnostic, uh, whether you think you are an uh, atheist, 
You can't think about eternity. You can't think about eternal life. You can sense something more. It's within you. You can look at creation. It's like taking a, you know, let, let, let me help uh, uh, science and evolution. Taking a bunch of goo and putting it in there and coming back a week later and expecting a, a, an eye watch to come out of that goo. Well, we have about 30 billion cells and the wrist upon which the watch goes, it's a lot more complex than the watch that you're expecting to come out of the goo. One pastor says, why are we sitting here until we die? It's because you know, you know. You know, you know. Who's facing the enemy? Let's look at these people groups. Is Elisha doing something about the enemy? Is the king, is all of Israel doing something about the enemy? Is the captain of the army doing something about the enemy? Do you know that mortality has a pretty good successful rate in this world? Are you running from it? Are you trying to put your, uh, 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 your saving grace in something that somehow it will go around you? Or, Pastor, I died with Christ on the cross. I saw my funeral. Or you know that you know. The lepers, they said if. If we say. If they spare, if they kill us. But what did they do? They knew for certain that they had to do something. Can you say you have faith and not do anything? Let me ask you again. Can you say I have faith and I'll stay at home and I will even read the Bible for 10 hours a day? So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. Please note, they didn't linger. With the energy they had, light, they went towards the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. What happens when you go to the cross and you die and there's nothing left? and you spend time with the Lord, you will find that the tomb will be empty. 
Do you think there's so, how many of you know the resources of that empty tube, tomb? It has provided for, me, for thousands of years life to people in this world. Not just to four lepers. Have you stepped and enjoyed the spoil of that tomb? When's the last time you told people how rich you were because you went into an empty grave? It's not, it's not, a, it's not a joke. It's real. It's not a matter of laughing. It's a matter of a very strong reality. It's a reality of, a resurrect, of the power of a resurrected life. How many of you are adorned with that wealth? Let's see. Let's move to the next slide. For the Lord has made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots, of horses, and of great sound of the great army. So they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired us uh, against us, the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt, to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their houses, and their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was, and fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent and ate and drank. And they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went in and hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried off things from it and went and hid them. What do you think is happening at this time with uh, Elisha and all the rest? And Elijah? They're still starving. They're still hungry. Some of them are still planning. Maybe there's some way. The captain saw no way out. The captain is like the people of us who say, there's no way out. This can't happen. Cannot receive a word of faith. The captain cannot receive the word of faith. Many times we are captains. Many times we are kings because we say we need better planning and this is a problem that someone did wrong. It's Elisha's problem that we are in this mess. Because they cannot see their own sin and the mess that they provided to be in already. There's people who, do you know what they do? They'll jump from mess to mess. And their life looks like it's a mess after another mess. Have you noticed that people who have divorced, most of the time they don't make a good choice who they marry the next time? In this country... If you divorce in your first three years, you'll average over three and a half marriages your lifetime. 
and that's now close to 60% of this nation. But the lepers, they have so much, they don't know what to do. They're so full that they began to think outside of themselves. Let's move to the next slide. Then they said to one another, we are not doing right. Please note, who knows what's right? Is it the elders? In this uh, situation, the other people are in the dark because the bound the bounds, the prisons they're in cannot see the reality of life, cannot see the miracle of God that just happened right next to them. I remember being in one of the churches, going to the hospital and praying for this one person, and the doctor pulled me as I said, are you the pastor yet? You know, 80% chance he's not going to make it. All of his internal organs are shutting down. He has cirrhosis, liver, cancer, and it's not good. He's in a coma. So I said, well, I'm still going to share the gospel even with someone in the coma because, you know, his unsaved grandmother was there. I said, at least she will hear the gospel, but I believe that he can hear it too. So I'm sharing the gospel. Next thing you know, he's fine. He comes to me, wow, it's a miracle. I'm alive. He comes to the church. It's, you know, he says... But now I'm on dialysis for the rest of my life. And I don't know why I said, we're going to pray as a church every Wednesday for you. So you'll get fixed from your kidney failure. So after a month, he shows up to church and he says, you know, God did another miracle in my life. Do you know what the people in the church said? I wonder if this is a miracle. The Jewish doctor at his dialysis center said, I've been here for 35 years, and the only people who have left that dialysis center are the ones who got a kidney transplant. He said, this is a miracle. You're the first person. And that guy wasn't a believer. He was a Jewish doctor. He said, you're the first person that I know to walk out of this dialysis center without a kidney transplant in 35 years that I've been here. Seen tens of thousands of people go in and out. So he comes to church, he says, this is a miracle. Do you know what the people in the church were saying? I wonder if that's a miracle. Do you think that's a miracle? People are drinking. They're into drugs. They're into um, entertainment. They're into all sorts of areas that they cannot see the light, that they're bringing the sound of the reality of the sin and the flesh into their life. And you know what? Some of them know it and some of them don't. When we look at this story, 
the idolaters don't know it. The ones who weren't able to be part of the idolatry, even though death is closer to them, are the ones who discover it first. We are not doing right. This day is a day of good news. That's why we have people in our church who can't wait to say Jesus is risen. The wealth of an empty tomb. Why are you so joyful that Jesus rose from the grave? Why do you have so much, you know... Don't you hope that our country will get to a better place economically and you'll be a millionaire overnight when something right happens? No, I have stepped into the empty tomb. And I have walked and I have dealt with the cross, with my sin, and the fear of death that's been nailed there, and the sound of the cross has taken it in, and I saw my funeral, and now I'm benefiting from a life that's come out of the grave. But some people, that's all they hear. Does it mean that the lepers were not still? This day is a day of good news. They're closer to death than almost anyone. Their fingers probably fallen, their nose, their ears begin to fall. It's not a pleasant sight. They stink. It's not a pleasant sight, but this is a day of good news. What's your day of good news? We have gotten so good. To celebrate so many good things. Our calendar is full of them. God forbid if I forget my wife's birthday one year. Oh man. I only did that mistake once. I didn't even forget it. I wanted to postpone it. I wanted to postpone it because I was too busy. Bad mistake. Don't, don't follow my, my mistakes. Oh, you don't love me anymore. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, I, I'm not a leper. This is a day of good news. I forgot about my leprosy. I forgot about my situation. Do you know what happens? There's people who find that in Jesus. And then there's also those people that are in the city that replace that. With a little more money. With a little more drugs. With a little more alcohol. And they get a partial joy for something that tickles that which is dying. It wasn't the food and the benefits 
that they went. Let's go to the... Let's go. Do not fear the one who takes your life, the Lord says. But fear the one who not only can take your life, but condemn you into... You know there's God. Have you come to Jesus? Do you think he'll kill you? Do you think he'll condemn you? Or will he extend grace to you? What are you doing today here if you haven't come to Jesus? What are you doing? You're simply doing this. I'll be fine because this is not loud enough. Don't you want to take this noise and put it on the cross with the Lord where he belongs? Because literally, if you take this personally, you have to personally see yourself drive the nails into Jesus because it's your own sin that's nailing him there. That's a personal relationship. You crucifying God's own son. And you need that. You and I need that. Why? So you can lay there in your death and go into the grave and come out new. This is a day of good news. If we are silent and wait until the morning light, Punishment will overtake us. How can you and I be silent if we have good news? I mean, let me tell you, these lepers, they're not theologians. How can they say punishment will overtake us? Don't I just come to Jesus? I know that and then I'm free to do whatever I want. See, that's another pillar raised in a Christianity that's placed within Israel, not within Judah. There's no difference. There's no difference. That's another marriage that's moving from Samaria into the Benjamin tribe or into the Danites tribe. There's no difference. So they came and called the gatekeepers to the, of the city and told them, we came to the camp of the Syrians and behold, there was no one to be seen or heard there. Nothing but the horses tied and the donkeys tied and the tents as they were. Then the gatekeepers called out and he was stalled within the king's household. Let's move to the next slide. And the king arose in the night and said to his servants, I will let you know what the Syrians have done to us. Do you know that some people are too smart for their own good? 
Do you know the, one of the hardest challenges for a pastor is to have a church of engineers and doctors and lawyers they begin to know the Lord and then they begin to know a little more than just a little. Because they think they know a lot. And then if you live long enough, by the time they get into their 70s, they begin to repent. They say, I'm realizing how little I know. And then they're realizing, oh, I guess I was a little bit of a problem for my pastors for about 20 years, 30 years. Those are some of the jokes that pastors have when they get around. When they come out of the city, we shall take them alive and get into the city. What is the king doing? That sound is leading him. Fear is guiding him. He's making even sound eloquent and smart about it. What are we really seeing here? Everything that we have into our soul, the mind, the feelings, the volition, will try to put their peace in to replace faith. If you're not walking with the Lord, if you're in idolatry, you have the wrong faith, just like the king was in you couldn't tell him that he, had, he didn't have faith. He was in sackcloth. You are misguided. You don't have faith. And because you don't have the proper worship, you will be misguided. There is good news. They were properly led. We cannot keep those ourselves to our own punishment. Why? Because finally love came. Finally love came to their door. And he said, even though those guys, they kicked us out. They didn't want to give us food. They left us for dead. We're going to go so they can have something to eat and rejoice. Even though they could have taken vengeance on them. You know, for every one of those pieces, Jesus comes in because Jesus is the king too. What does Jesus do? He goes out and he faces the accusations brought against Israel and he lays down his life for it. Is that what you see the king here doing? No, because he's not Jesus. Oh, if God was going to open the fountains, he already did and you, you were blind and the fountains were open. So guess what's going to happen to that captain? The blessing turns into a capital punishment. When Elisha said, and you shall not enjoy it or you shall not take hold of it, that's what happens. That's what happens. We don't have time. But let read, let's read quickly. And one of these servants said, Let some men take five of the remaining horses, seeing that those who are left 
here will fare like the whole multitude of Israel who have already perished. Do you know how stupid they are? How come the lepers who don't have shelter and food like we do have so much energy and they're looking so good and so alive? Even your thinking is not okay when you're not worshiping and you have your daughter, your son. You have people that you know, they're caught in situations like this. Don't expect for them to make the right choices. Don't expect for them to move. They need direction. They need shelter. They need to see the day of the Lord. There's not much you can do. You can bring them to the cross, but they need to come out of the death of the grave into the light. And only Jesus can take them to that journey. If you're a parent, that's your happiest day when you truly see that your child has gone through that journey. And you say, wow, now I'm the best friend to my daughter and my son because the father, he is the father. I'm no longer, they may call me dad, but there's, there's a father. And my son and my daughter, they're following the father. And I can be the best person to encourage them on that walk. That ought to be the happiest day in your life as a parent. Do you know why 8 out of 10 kids who are raised in the church by the time they go to college lose their faith? Not because they don't know all this. It's because they haven't truly walked. They haven't walked to meet the, the one who can condemn them. Now, we love Jesus, but do you know what he says about when he's going to come the second time? He said, I have not come to condemn. I have come to bring grace, not condemnation. But what is he going to do when he comes the second time? To judge. There's a judge, and he's sitting on the throne, and he's going to come again. You want your child to first truly meet Jesus. You want to meet Jesus while he's dying for you on the cross. And he's taking this and you're nailing it into him. And that's when you want to meet Jesus so this grace is extended to you. You don't want to say, wow, really Jesus is the son of God. Look, he's coming. I'm going to go meet him. late the lepers know we will be punished if we don't go and say let's move to the next one we'll stop here so they took the two horsemen and the king sent them after the army of the Syrians saying Go and see. Go and see. So they went after them as far as the Jordan. And behold, what were they doing? Did they run back to bring five, five horses of resources so people wouldn't die? They say it's okay if 20, 30 more people die of hunger for half a day. You go make sure that 
Have they repented in this process? Are they receiving the miracle of God? No, I need to go make sure that God did his job. Please, don't put yourself in that position. God does not need your approval on you checking up on him. The messenger returned, told the king, yeah, they're no longer here. The danger is gone. Why are we talking about the danger of death when blessing and life was in their faces? Is it possible that sometimes we can't recognize what God is putting right before you? You know, you may think you're young, unhealthy, and brave. You may think you're old and you've been through a lot. To some, this turns into fear. And to some, it becomes the most bittersweet melody in your ear because you've experienced your sin being nailed with Jesus on the cross and frees you and releases you and captivates your heart of stone for him. You ought to hear, just like your heartbeat. Is this because death is coming, or is this the sweet sound of your deliverance through Jesus Christ, your Savior? Because if you go outside of yourself, if you go outside of this world, on the Mount of Calvary, a miracle happens. And there are endless resources there for you and I. So that's why you say, well, Pastor, it's your job. So that's why you're telling us that there is good news. That's why I'm telling you that there's good news. Because I'm encouraged by the lepers. Not the prophet. Not the king. Not the captain. Not the chosen people but by the four theologians, the lepers, who said, can we keep this good news to ourselves? If you don't, do you know what happens? I may begin to have a doubt that you've entered the chamber. And that he has taught you so much and trained you that the joy the peace, the love that comes out of this chamber is not flowing from you and I. Is there something that you need to hear nailed to the cross today?
It doesn't have to be because you haven't surrendered your life to the Lord, which is the most important. It may be that sin has crept in in your life. It may be that you are a false worshiper or you have built a high place in your Christian walk, in your church. There's nothing here for the 